Hello and welcome to the Stereo Dust Podcast, the show that brings you exclusive gear demonstrations, music docu-series, and new sources of creativity. I'm John Tonelli, and I'm still currently looking through a computer screen, um, and I'm sitting here with my friend Keith Dussault, and we'll be your hosts from here on in. We might add some more people to the show. We'll see. For the first episode, we'll be talking about the Erebus V3 analog synthesizer and listening to what it really has to offer the layman or an actual like producer who's worse in a studio. But we'll go through that. We'll listen to the sounds. So Keith, what's going on, man? Hey, John. Not too much. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. It's a snowy and blustery Massachusetts day. Yeah. Well, hey, I guess we're used to it, right? Uh, not really, man. I've been living here for 30, almost 39 years, and I'm still not used to it, and I'll never be. Same with me. Grew up around these parts. And uh, yeah, there's still days I go outside, and it's blistery cold, and I'm like, you know, what the heck am I doing? As you're out there busting your back, shoveling. I don't know, but... I'm happy to have a place to live and it's nice to call this place home, you know, for all it has going on for it. And you grew up in Worcester kind of like on a big hill. Did you do a lot of like sledding down that hill? Hitting the hitting the hills, sledding, yeah, but I haven't slid in a while. Maybe that will sort of renew my appreciation of New England winters. If I get out, if I find a hill and get on a sled, you know. Yeah, that's that's the thing when you live around here, you have to find activities. I would usually go to someone's house and have a couple drinks or whatever we do, but there's there's none of that right now. So cabin fever is big this year. Yeah, just hopefully you have a, a couch you like in your house. And you you've been a musician your whole life. When did you start? You know, when when did you first get into music? 1993. I was in the third grade, so that means how old was I then? In 93, I was nine years old. So when I was nine, um, the elementary school I went to in Worcester was called Adam Street School. And they had not a music program, but there was music there. It was kind of interesting because they had a marching band, right, composed of just grade school kids. So the school was K through sixth, kindergarten through sixth grade. And the way it worked was uh, I remember there were two people, older retirees, musicians from the community, and they just volunteered their time. And they, I guess, taught kids how to play these marching band instruments. I don't know. So I remember the, the school must have had instruments because I don't think my family or you know, we didn't buy anything. I played the clarinet or that's what someone there said, hey, you can play the clarinet. I don't really remember dec- deciding it. But one day I had a clarinet and I was getting some music lesson from a retired sort of member of the, the Shrewsbury Street community there. So you and- didn't have any prior you know, you didn't have like an uncle that sat you down and said, here's this junky old guitar. Yeah, that's a good question because um, maybe I should even back it up further, you know? Yeah, my my dad's played music, my father, my uncles, you know, that side of, uh, my father's side of the family have all been pretty musical. Right, but you're you're mainly a, a guitar player. I feel like that's your main right, right. instrument. If I mean, you're a multi-instrumentalist. You can do anything. What, why was it guitar? You know, you said clarinet. Yeah. yeah. What made you change over? Yeah. You know, you, you kind of said it, maybe, you know, the story, but you know, uncle with the junky guitar and, uh, I took it home with everything and why, I don't know why guitar. I don't really remember 
because I think once I had the guitar and was like playing it, that's sort of when I got interested in, you know, guitar music, which then means, I don't know, rock, right? Classic rock, all these other things. And so that sort of uh, really opened the the world of music, right? Outside right. of saying playing clarinet in the elementary school marching band. The 90s, yeah. like the early 90s was was really good for classic rock because, uh, you know, a lot of the grunge acts at the time were heavily inspired by, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin. I mean, even Van Halen. It was a good time. They, they were promoting old school, you know, David Bowie and 70s classic rock. I, I remember they were, you know, Pearl Jam was covering all these old tunes. Nirvana, obviously, covering like David Bowie and stuff. So it was kind of uh, the environment at the time. So... That makes sense that you, you know, were like, oh, classic rock. Yeah, I think it's because I think my exposure to music at that time was just sort of, you know, FM radio, right? And whatever was sort of like one of my parents was playing was like, you know, hey, put this record on and, or, or whatever. But so, yeah, that's was sort of the default guitar from junkie guitar from my uncle. And then just sort of, you know, you hear a lot of other people go through this, but they hear a song, you know, and they try to figure out how to play it on a guitar. So I did that for a while. Yeah, it's classic, man. To sort of teach yourself, pick pick through it. I think there was probably like a a Mel Bay, you know, that those like line of published books, instruction material, Mel Bay intro to guitar. I don't think I got more out of it other than like you know why the shape is a C chord or whatever, but more so like hey, if I do the shape, it sounds like it sounds like that riff from Stairway to Heaven, man. Right, and that's what it's really all about. And you know, I my nephew right now, he's thirteen and he's getting into grunge. And it's just so strange because I feel like kids nowadays are just, I don't know, listening to whatever is playing in the background of TikTok videos. Yeah. So as far as kind of informing the listeners what this show is all about, I want to get into that. And um, this is our first episode. So thank you for joining us if you're here. Uh, we'll be bringing you a lot of different segments. So it's not just like a one-trick pony type of show. Stereo Dust was going to primarily be like a music history, you know, an appreciation of uh, classic rock and modern music and all the technology that goes into the production of it and all that good stuff. Uh, we're going to be sticking with two things, something along those lines. We're going to do a show and tell, which is going to be called the demonstration. We're going to interview artists and find out what their current favorite piece of gear is and uh, show you what they do with it. This message comes from Stereo Dust's sponsor, Strange Paradise Studios, an audio and video production studio made for the digital age. Strange Paradise Studios takes a modern approach in developing digital content for podcasters, musicians, and entrepreneurs, offering full audio and video production services, as well as studio spaces for virtual performances and podcasting. For more information, visit www.strangeparadisestudios.com. You are still listening to the Stereo Dust Podcast. Join us for this week's demonstration. For today's demonstration, we're going to be going over the Dreadbox Erebus V3 Semi-Modular Analog Duophonic Synthesizer.
Do you know that feeling when you first realize that a new piece of gear is going to be indispensable? The Erebus is like that. It sounds amazing right out of the box. The filter is warm and has a nice range. The oscillators sound great and they track very well. Even if you're just working with the basic controls, you can get a wide range of sounds. From killer low-end bass lines to lush pads or even dark drones. If you decide you want to dig deeper, you'll really appreciate the level of thought that has gone into the patch bay routing and the infinite possibilities that the rig modulation circuits have. And the nice thing about the Erebus is it's very unique. It doesn't sound like anything else, yet it might have its quirks and it has its character. That's kind of what you're seeking with an old school analog synth. So if you're looking to get into any kind of synthesis, maybe you're looking to add a new inspiring component to your rig, the Dreadbox Erebus is affordable and it's a very welcome addition to anybody's collection. Nice gear presentation. I'm excited to hear this, John. What are you going to show me? What are you going to show us? What are you covering? I kind of want it to make sense. So I'm just going to start with like a basic setting that I start with. I, I usually have a little bit of an envelope and I listen to the first oscillator and I'll start with that. So here we go. I'm just going to play a little ditty. That's just kind of like the basic, you know, that's not doing anything crazy. That's just kind of playing around with the two oscillators up against each other, playing with the different waveforms. Just that's kind of where I start. And then I start messing around. So I just set the oscillators, the first two oscillators. I don't have the third one on. Uh, you can get the gist. Sure. And so for you, so, you know, you have oscillator one and oscillator two sort of dialed in, you know, I don't know. What are you looking for? That I mean, it's probably changes every time, right? But like... What are you hoping to do at this stage in like the sound building? Kind of have the foundation of your sound dialed in here. But what's next? Yeah, so so what I'll do next is I'll incorporate oscillator three, mess around with uh, the LFO, and I'll, I'll just mess around in that sense. I'll just kind of go to town. You know, I'll throw some echo in there too. I'll just kind of play around with it and give you a good gist of all the sounds it can make. And I think uh, for the, you know, the third feature I want to discuss is the patch bay and explain how I'm uh, routing that.
Awesome. You went from mile to wild, you know? Yeah, man. I can totally understand how you just get lost in a good way. Yeah. It's just something that is enjoyable. If you're somebody who knows nothing about this and you just want to plug it into a speaker and have a MIDI, you know, run it with MIDI and just have fun. No pressure. Um, the one thing I did want to talk about before I get into the, um, the patch bay example is just the loop feature on this thing. Let me just show you something quick with that. Sure. what it's actually doing you usually set the lfo it's it's nice because it has an indicator light on this thing kind of shows you how it's manipulating or modulating everything and then you throw the loop on uh depending how you set the adsr on the envelope it'll play up against each other in a different kind of way so you kind of just feel it it's really cool you know being able to feel it i I imagine you know with the dipsticks and the knobs you can actually sort of I guess, play with this push and pull rather than say, I don't know, because I guess like with your other options, like a, a digital or a virtual instrument, you're like clicking a mouse or putting a value in some other sort of like digital based sort of synth, you're still dealing with like a value, right? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of the, uh, I guess, the battle using digital gear doesn't give you the same feel because this this instrument is like playing a violin almost. You know, you're, you're feeling the nuances the subtle changes and playing off of those subtle changes. And you can still do that with digital gear. It's not hands-on. Like you can do that with a uh, emulation of a violin, but it's not going to be the same. Uh, you lose a human aspect to it, that interchanging of humanity into a, you know, digital or analog impulse. You, you lose a little bit of that when you're controlling things on a computer. I, I, that's just my take on it, but you can still do amazing things. Most of the stuff I do is digitally. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. So when it comes down to experience, right? What's the the experience of playing with this instrument? Or I can imagine it's going to, going to be different than say, yeah, play, playing around in a, the digital space. I like your analogy with the violin. And honestly, just, you know, talking to you about this, I'm, I'm feeling inspired to to get one of these or, or something like it, to be honest with you, because it's, you, you know, you kind of sold me with this violin analogy, right? 
and just thinking, imagine, you know, have an actual physical knob with small increments that you can kind of touch upon. Whereas you, you might miss that if those weren't there. Right. So. Right. Exactly, man. Right on. You're getting into an instrument versus like a controller or um, a piece of software. It's an instrument you put in a bag and there's something to be said about that. And I feel like that's what a lot of music nowadays is missing and, and it has been for a long time, but it's okay. That void is filled with other things that you can appreciate, but I'd like to see as far as music goes into the future, people getting a, a lot more organic with things. And that's where it's actually going is organic kind of sounds mixed with uh, electronics and, you know, digital type of sound. So you mentioned something about the patch bay. What I plan on doing is just like this really cool, like wind ambience. It's great if you're creating sounds for like a game or even, you know, a song, uh, just having like subtle, almost white noise or wind. It, it's a cool little trick. And um, I'll play around with the sample and hold as well. Yeah, I'll get into that right now. Awesome. inspire me with this thing because uh you know we went from just sort of some drones and playing around with the tuning here then i can kind of totally get it how you can go mild to wild right i can picture this in a song or as an instrument you can imagine it being like a a, a lead line or a bass line or you know just to have it be the sort of like sonic bed of you say a video game or even just to have it like if you have a haunted house one year right <laughs> right right get the pa out and like you know have a Create create the vibe, man. Yeah, man. Scare your kids or you know, your parents come over, you just you start playing spooky music and yeah. scare them out of the house. If you you know, you have that kind of relationship. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you for, for going through this and for the demonstration here. Yeah, no problem, man. We're probably gonna have a lot more synth type of demonstrations and I always find them very interesting as far as uh, people playing synths because half the time you really don't know what they're doing anyways, and you have to play one to fully understand it, like any instrument, you know but you can always enjoy the sounds. If you're a podcast junkie like I am, you probably thought about starting your own podcast. I can tell you firsthand, starting a podcast was one of the best decisions I've ever made. I understand there can be a lot of hangups if you don't know how to get started with your podcast, but that's where Buzzsprout comes in. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it'd be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. There really hasn't been a better time than now to start your own podcast. To start your own podcast and get a $20 Amazon gift card, follow the link in the show notes. This lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and helps support our show. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast.
Hey, thanks for sticking around all the way through the first episode of the Stereo Dust Podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, I just want to thank Keith for uh, chiming in and being a co-host during this segment. If you have any interest in buying the Erebus, um, please go to the show notes and go through one of our affiliate links. We really appreciate the support. It helps run the show and maintain everything we need to maintain. Um, We do get a small commission, so we do appreciate your support, and we hope to see you soon. Coming up in the next couple weeks, we'll be having some awesome guests on the show, uh, pretty much doing the same thing. So please stay tuned, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Stereo Dust Podcast.